This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. Here we are with our January Patreon right at the end. Right at the end. Listen, Lacey, Lacey's not had a voice. Now she sounds like a phone sex operator. Her baby's been frazzled all day. Oh, my God. I get nothing done. I feel like I sound like a frog. No, you sound like you should be singing. Hello and welcome. (laughs) I joked that I should have done an ASMR episode where I just whispered. Those are so weird to me. Don't do that. Don't tap on. I, I actually kind of like it. Do you? A little bit. A little bit. I do not even a little bit. There's a podcast called Scare You to Sleep, and it's a girl like talking about scary stories in a soothing voice, but every now and then she'll do a whisper one. No. Yeah. it's That's not my favorite. Whispering's not my favorite. I don't. But. Whispering's creepy to me. I don't <laughs> love it. If, if I'm even laying in bed and Max is with me, I'm like, just talk normal. It's just <sighs> the two of us. Just talk in your normal voice. Well, the funniest part about when I couldn't talk and I had had to whisper, people would respond to me in whispers. Oh, I would respond to you in a whisper. The plumber that was here, I was like, I'm so sorry. Because people are like, maybe it's because of the baby. I'm like, no, I said, I'm so sorry. I have laryngitis. And then he would, every time he came back in, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. I'm like, okay, whatever. It sucked. Uh, well, we're back. We're back. With uh, January Patreon, mm-hmm. all about family curses. My case is super long, so I can go first or second. What would you prefer to do? I mean, let me get mine out of the way. Okay. Yeah. You can just rest. You've had a long day. I'll of, rest my voice. Of, yes, rest your voice. So I'm going to be talking about the Kennedy curse. So... This is going to be three hours long. I'm excited. I do not know a whole lot about the Kennedys. Girl. Honestly, in general. I have read 92,000 books and I probably own 93,000. I've been obsessed with them since I was a child. I don't know why. It's just one of those weird things. So I um, obviously picked this one. The United States does not have royalty. But we do have one family that has always been legendary, the Kennedys. The Kennedy family is one of the most established political families in the United States, having produced a president, three senators, three ambassadors, and multiple other representatives and politicians. The family dynasty has been in the public eye dating back as far as 1914, when Joseph Patrick Kennedy married Rose Elizabeth Fitzgerald joining together two of the most prominent Irish families in Boston. They would go on to have nine children, Joseph Patrick Kennedy, known as Joe, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, JFK, Rosemary Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy, known as Kick, Eunice Kennedy, Patricia Kennedy, Robert Francis Kennedy, known as Bobby, Jean Ann Kennedy, and Edward Kennedy, known as Ted. Joseph Kennedy made a fortune as a stock market and commodity investor and real estate investor. The family had homes in Boston, New York City, Hyannisport, and Palm Beach, Florida. 
and Joseph would later become the chairman of the SEC and was known to have ties to the mafia. Ooh. In 1938, he was appointed the United States Ambassador to the Court of St. James in London. Joseph loved high society, and he loved power even more. Joe and Rose were both very involved and had a very heavy influence on their children's lives, and Joe was dead set on his eldest son, Joseph P. Kennedy Jr., becoming president. Joe Jr. was a lieutenant in the U.S. Navy, and was using his military service as a stepping stone on the path to the White House in hopes of becoming the first Roman Catholic president of the United States. He attended Harvard Law School, but left before his final year after he enlisted into the Navy. He had completed 25 combat missions and was eligible to return home, but he instead volunteered for an Operation Aphrodite mission. Sadly, Joe Jr. was killed on August 12, 1944, while on a dangerous experimental flying mission over the English Channel. Their eldest daughter, on the other hand, was a completely different story. Rosemary experienced seizures and violent mood swings in her young adult years. They knew as a small child she was slower than the rest of the children. Some attribute this to oxygen deprivation during her birth. So her mom went into labor and the doctor was not immediately available because an outbreak of the Spanish flu Mm. and the nurse ordered Rose Kennedy to keep her legs closed, forcing the baby's head to stay in the birth canal for over two hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like she could not give birth. That's what they did then? Physically holding the baby in for over two hours. The doctor got there. Holy crap. Her occasional erratic behavior frustrated her parents. Her father was especially worried that her behavior would shame and embarrass the family and damage his and his children's political careers. Oh my gosh, that's awful. So her father arranged for a prefrontal lobotomy (gasps) on her in 1941 when she was 23 years old. Oh Oh my God. The procedure left her permanently incapacitated and rendered her unable to speak intelligibly. He did not tell his wife of this decision until after it was completed. Oh, I have chills. That is. After Rosemary was mildly sedated, according to Dr. Watts, we went through the top of her head. She was awake. She had a tranquilizer. We made a surgical incision in the brain through the skull near the front on both sides. Just a small incision, no more than an inch. An instrument looked like a butter knife was inserted. He says he swung it up and down to cut the brain tissue. We put the instrument inside and Dr. Freeman asked Rosemary some questions. For example, we asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer or sing God Bless America and count backwards. We made an estimate on how far to cut based on how she responded. When she began to become incoherent, we stopped. Oh, my God. Watt said that in his opinion, Kennedy did not have, quote, mental retardation, but rather depression. What? It quickly became apparent that the procedure had caused immense harm. 
Kennedy's mental capacity was diminished to that of a two-year-old child. Oh, my God. She could not walk or speak and was incontinent. She was immediately institutionalized, first in New York, then later moved to Wisconsin. Rosemary's parents separated her immediately from the family. Rose Kennedy did not visit her daughter for 20 years. This is the saddest life. Joseph P. Kennedy did not visit her at all. What? Her lobotomy was hidden from the family for over 20 years with none of her siblings knowing of her whereabouts until 1961 after Joseph Kennedy Sr. had suffered a stroke that left him unable to speak or walk. That's when Rosemary's siblings were made aware of her location. Maybe they deserve a curse. I'm just saying. She was, she went to debutante balls. She went to tea parties. She was, quote, sexually promiscuous. She was in boarding schools. She was living her best life. She, she was had a erratic, functional mm-hmm. adult. Oh, my God. 23. Yeah. They just didn't like her behaviors. Yes. So oh he had her lobotomized and then put her. That is freaking terrible. Yes. Yes. Holy yeah. crap. How could you as a parent do that and then never visit your kid? 20 years. All alone, not knowing what's happened to her, how she's being cared for. That is... Their second daughter, Kathleen, or Kick, had moved off to France and joined the American Red Cross. There she met politician William Cavendash, the Marquis of Harrington, the 10th Duke of Devonshire. Her family did not approve of this relationship because the Kennedys were Catholic and the Duke was not. Did they lobotomize her too for that? The couple married anyways, regardless of... Anyone showing up besides her oldest brother for the wedding, but they spent less than five weeks together before her husband out on a flight in France in September of 1944. Less than a month after her oldest brother was killed, her husband was killed by a sniper Mm. during a battle with the Germans in Belgium. Three and a half years later, on May 13th, 1948, Kick and Lord Fitzwilliam were flying from Paris to the French Riviera for vacation when their plane crashed due to severe turbulence from a storm, killing all four passengers. 20 minutes of turbulence. Big drops, plane shaking, plane crashes and kills everybody. Wow. The most recognizable Kennedy of all, obviously, was JFK, the 35th President of the United States, From 1961 until his assassination in 1963, he was the youngest person to be elected president. JFK graduated from Harvard in 1940, joined the Navy Reserves. During World War II, he commanded PT boats in the Pacific Theater. Kennedy survived following the sinking of a PT-109 and rescued all of his fellow sailors, which made him a war hero, and he earned a Navy and Marine medal. Mm. On September 12, 1953, he married Jacqueline Bouvier. Jackie suffered a miscarriage in 1955, and then a stillbirth of their daughter Arabella in 1956. Their daughter Caroline was born in 1957. John Jr., nicknamed John John, was born in 1960, 17 days after his father was elected president. In August of 1963, Jackie gave birth to a son named Patrick, but he died two days later after complications from birth. 
on November 22, 1963, just a few months after they'd lost their son, JFK was assassinated in Dallas. He is the most recent U.S. president to have died in office. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Hmm. In 1964, June of 1964, the youngest Kennedy, U.S. Senator Ted, survived a plane crash that killed one of his aides and the pilot. plane was on its way to a Democratic state endorsing convention in Springfield. The senator was pulled from the wreckage by a fellow passenger. He spent five months in the hospital recovering from a broken back, punctured lung, broken ribs, and internal bleeding. Following the crash, Bobby Kennedy remarked to an aide, Somebody up there doesn't like us. Third Kennedy son, Robert Kennedy, known as Bobby or RFK, was an American politician and lawyer. He married Ethel Skakel in 1960, and they had 11 children. He served as a 64th United States Attorney General from 1961 to 1964, and as a U.S. Senator from New York in January of 1965. He was assassinated in June of 1968 while he was running for president, five years after JFK was assassinated. His youngest child, Rory, was born six months after he was murdered. Mm. In July of 1969, Ted Kennedy accidentally drove his car off a bridge in Chappaquiddick Island, Massachusetts, resulting in the drowning death of his 28-year-old passenger, Mary Jo Kopechny. Oh, my gosh. Who was trapped inside the car. Kennedy swam free and says that he tried to rescue her from the submerged car, but he could not. In his televised statement a week later, he said on the night of the accident, he wondered if some awful curse did actually hang over their family. Ted did not report the accident to police until the next morning after police had already found the car and found her body. She was in the back of the car, gripping the seat. Oh my gosh. And had drowned. That's one of my biggest fears. He swam out of the car went home, took a shower, and went to bed and did not tell anybody. Oh, my Lord. And this woman was in the car. And you're wondering why there's curses in this family? Some of y'all do not make good decisions. August 13th, 1973, Joseph P. Kennedy II, the son of Bobby, was the driver of a Jeep that crashed and left his passenger, Pam Kelly, paralyzed. <gasps> Fellow passenger and brother, David A. Kennedy, was injured. November 17, 1973, Edward Kennedy Jr., also son of Bobby, age 12, had his right leg surgically amputated as a result of bone cancer. Oh my gosh. April 25, 1984, David A. Kennedy, also a son of Bobby, died of a drug overdose in a Palm Beach hotel room. In December of 1997, Michael Kennedy, also a son of Bobby's, died in a skiing accident after crashing into a tree in Aspen, Colorado. Michael was on skis without poles or a helmet and tossing a football around 
when he hit a tree. Oh, my. His 10-year-old daughter was filming as the family played. <sighs> July 16th, 1999, JFK Jr., son of JFK, obviously, died when the plane he was piloting crashed into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. He departed from New Jersey at the controls of his Piper Saratoga. He was traveling with his wife, Carolyn, and sister-in-law, Lauren. Lauren was supposed to be dropped off at Martha's Vineyard while the Kennedys went on to Hyannisport to attend the wedding of his cousin, Rory. The plane was reported missing after they failed to arrive on schedule. In the late afternoon of July 21st, the three bodies were recovered from the ocean floor by Navy divers. The NTSB determined that pilot error was the cause of the crash. Kennedy's failure to maintain control of the plane during a descent over water at night resulted in spatial disorientation. So it was black, so we couldn't tell if he was going up or down. Or Don't travel with the Kennedy is what crashed. I'm gathering from this. By car, by by plane. May 4th, 2006, Congressman Patrick J. Kennedy, son of Ted, crashed his car while intoxicated into a barricade on Capitol Hill. He later revealed his addiction to prescription medications and pled guilty to driving under the influence and was sentenced to one-year probation and a $300 fine. September 16th, 2011, Kara Kennedy, daughter of Ted, died of a massive heart attack while exercising at a health club. May 16, 2012, Mary Kennedy, wife of RFK Jr., died by suicide in their home in Bedford, New York. August 1, 2019, Saoirse Kennedy Hill, the granddaughter of Bobby, died of an overdose after being found unresponsive at the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport, Massachusetts. She was in high school. Oh, my gosh. Yes. April 2nd, 2020, Maybe Kennedy McKean, granddaughter of Bobby Kennedy, disappeared with her eight-year-old son, Gideon, during a canoe trip in the Chesapeake Bay. Their bodies were recovered later that week. A ball had rolled into the water, oh. so her and her son went out to fetch the ball, got away, got too far out, canoe tipped. And they both drowned. Oh, my gosh. Ted Kennedy is quoted as saying he questioned in some, if some awful curse did actually hang over the Kennedys. Skeptics argue that it's not improbable for a large extended family to experience tragedies over several generations. I've come to believe that it's not what's happened to our family that has been a curse as much as the fact is we've never been al allowed to deal with these things privately, said Eunice Kennedy. She's the fifth daughter. Jacqueline Kennedy believed in the Kennedy curse. Remaining family members reject the idea that there is a Kennedy curse. Whether it's real or not, the Kennedys have suffered more than its fair share of pain and loss. And no matter how old you are, you have never been without a Kennedy in your life. Maybe not personally, but they've been in the public eye for over a century. Crazy. That's a lot. That's true. Of stuff to happen. And it's not just, it would be different if it would be like cancer, emphysema. These are tragedies. They're like plane crashes, car canoes, crashes, drownings. 
Yeah. yeah. Off the wall stuff. Yes. So like I said, there are 5 billion books, documentary films, shows <sighs> about the Kennedys. I've read about 3 billion of them. I suggest everyone reads them all. They're really one of the most fascinating families to yeah. me. They definitely have a lot of ties to other things yeah. that I didn't talk about, like allegedly Marilyn Monroe's death, Martha Moxley murder. They're tied to that and being cousins of the man that allegedly killed her. He spent time in prison, Michael Skakel. Uh, he says he didn't commit it. Mm. It's it's a crazy case. You can look that one up. The whole family is just dripping in scandal. Right. Like I said, Marilyn Monroe, the other, one of the Kennedys allegedly had an affair with an underage babysitter. Ugh. So much. Look up any of them. They all have something. It's it's really interesting. But the Rosemary thing just really breaks my heart. That is the saddest life of anyone I've ever eaten. Oh, it's awful. If you look up her story and read about it, it's it's very sad that they would tell people that she was a teacher and she had got married and moved off and she wanted to be out of the public eye. And the whole time she was institutionalized, her family, her siblings didn't know where she was. And when they found out, they would go get her and bring her to Hyannis Port for holidays and spend time with her. And she died of natural causes. Um, I forget what year it was, but just the fact that she may have just had depression and a lot of the Kennedys suffered from depression. There was a lot of substance abuse, mm-hmm. alcoholism, just That's also not that illness. uncommon in wealthy families. Sure. You know? Right. I mean, well, honestly, any family. Right. It's just, it, it's just sad. Yeah, it The is. whole family just sounds like a miniseries. It does. It's that, crazy. Has that even been a show? Taylor just Swift. The Kennedys? Taylor Swift was involved with the Kennedys. Which one was it? No one so can So she was involved. That Kennedy kid is what I always hear. She was involved with, oh gosh, I'm going to get She's like, I'm getting out of this before I she, die. They weren't together very long. No, they weren't. That's why everyone's the woman, just like, that Kennedy kid. The woman who committed suicide, it was her son. Oh, man. Yes. So... Mm-hmm. Anyways, I would not want to date a Kennedy. I really wouldn't. That no. sounds no, no, thank scary. you. I wouldn't want to get in a car with one. No, 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 thank a you. A plane? No, no, thank you. Oh my gosh! No. Who are you? Who are you going to tell us about your? your oh purse? my gosh! Mine is so opposite of that. <laughs> so I did have a little write up about generational curses because they're kind of interesting, really. So, some cultures believe that one's fate is intertwined with good and bad deeds of their ancestors, the concept of generational curses, sometimes called ancestral or familial curses, comes from this idea. So, the belief is that misfortunes, from health issues to financial struggles, can be passed down through generations due to a curse placed on someone's ancestor. It could be a string of illnesses pattern of abusive relationships, or even recurrent financial struggles. These patterns are believed to be the result of a malevolent force or judgment cast on someone who follows his or her family members. One of the earliest mentions of generational curses is in the Old Testament of the Bible. Exodus 25 says that God at the time was, quote, visiting the iniquity of the fathers 
upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. So this has been interpreted to mean that the sins of the ancestors can affect their descendants. I believe that. Maybe. Many African traditions believe in the power and influence of ancestors on the lives of the living. If an ancestor's spirit is displeased, or if a taboo is broken, it can result in a curse affecting the family. In ancient Greece, the belief in generational curses was closely tied to the concept of fate and the idea that certain families or bloodlines were destined to endure hardships across generations. This belief stemmed from the Greek understanding of fate as an immutable force often controlled by the whims of gods. Families affected by generational curses were thought to have attracted divine wrath due to the actions of their ancestors, leading to a cycle of misfortune that could span multiple generations. In countries like China and India, ancestral worship and honoring one's forebears is crucial. Disrespecting ancestors or not performing certain rituals can sometimes be seen as a cause of reoccurring misfortune. Ew. Yeah. In some ways, belief in a curse can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If one genuinely believes they're destined for misfortune due to a curse, they might unconsciously make choices that lead to that outcome. So there are more stories about generational curses with famous families than I expected. So it was hard for me to pick one. But ultimately, I decided to talk about the Von Erich family. I never heard of them. Well, are they like the Von Trapps? Of wrestling. Yeah, kind of. So Of wrestling? Yeah. They were one of the most prominent and popular pro-wrestling families of the 80s. I'm not into wrestling. Never heard of them. But, I mean, you look at the pictures. It's like... What, what's their name again? Von Erich family. Or type in Von Eric Curse. Big dudes, long blonde hair. Stop. Oh, wow. Yeah. Come on, muscles. <laughs> <laughs> so they're originally from Texas, and their actual surname is Adkisson. But they use the ring name Von Eric after the family patriarch Fritz Von Eric, aka Jack Adkisson. So he started using that as like a stage name, and then they all kind of did it. So Jack took on the name as part of his German wrestling persona. Then there were four Von Erich brothers involved in wrestling, David, Carrie, Mike, and Kevin. They started out super successful at an early age, but they struggled to keep up with the spotlight. So the father, Jack, a.k.a. Fritz, was born on August 16, 1929 in Jewett, Texas. He was trained by Stu Hart, and Fritz became a top star in many National Wrestling Alliance promotions. I'm going to say a lot of titles that I don't know, but just know they're big deals. <laughs> he held the AWA World Heavyweight Championship at one time in the 60s. He also served as NWA president in the 70s, president of WCCW when it moved to Dallas. And he was a major part of Japanese wrestling. He was known as the Iron Claw. It's a pretty cool name, I will say. Fritz married Doris on June 23, 1959. And together, 
They had six sons before divorcing in 1992. So like I said earlier, four of the sons went into wrestling. Fritz's first son, Jack, was born on September 21st, 1952, but he had a very short life. When he was six years old, he stepped on a trailer tongue outside of his home in Niagara Falls, New York. This electrically shocked him, which caused him to fall in a puddle of melting snow, and he drowned. Oh, my God. We talk about freak accidents. This just happened out in their yard. Uh-uh. So that's how things started. His next born was Kevin, and he was born on May 15, 1957. So he was about five years younger, younger than Jack. The majority of his career was spent working in the world-class championship wrestling, and he was known as the Golden Warrior. He was known for utilizing trademark maneuvers like the body scissors and the iron claw, as well for wrestling barefoot. Ew. He married Pamela May in August of 1980, and they had two daughters and two sons together. And there was David, a.k.a. Yellow Rose of Texas. I can't. That one's a little weird. He was born on July 22nd, 1958. He also worked in the WCCW and wrestled in Missouri, winning the Missouri Heavyweight Championship a couple of times. Then he wrestled in Florida. On June 26, 1978, he married Candy McLeod and had a baby girl. Sadly, the baby Natasha died in infancy and the two divorced. Ugh. He married again to Patricia Matter. So David was the first of the adult brothers to pass away. In February 1984, he died in Tokyo, Japan, with the U.S. Embassy citing the cause of death as acute enteritis. I had never heard of that, but enteritis is usually caused by eating or drinking something that's contaminated with a bacteria or viruses. The germs settle in the small intestine and cause inflammation and swelling. However, the iconic pro wrestler Ric Flair has a different opinion. He thinks the death was related to a drug overdose. So allegedly, another wrestler that was there with him disposed of a bunch of narcotics in the toilet of David's room right before the police got there. I guess they didn't do an autopsy, but a tribute show was held a couple of months later in his honor, during which his younger brother, Carrie Von Erich, won the NWA world title from Ric Flair. Carrie was the fourth son of Fritz and was born on February 3rd, 1960. He was known as the modern-day warrior and the Texas Tornado. He was by far the best known of the Von Erich family. Much like his brothers, he spent the majority of his career wrestling in the WCCW. He was married on June 18, 1983, to Kathy Murray, and they had two daughters together, Holly Brooke and Lacey Dawn. Lacey wrestled until 2010. What? Mm-hmm. It's a whole family affair. Mike Von Erich was the fifth son of Fritz and known as the Inspirational Warrior. 
So Mike replaced David in the feud the Von Erichs had with the fabulous Freebirds following David's death. According to the DVD Heroes of World Class, Mike wanted to work for World Class as a cameraman and had no interest in being in the ring full-time. Well, after David's death, there seemed to be a black cloud over the family, which came to be known as the Von Erich Curse. I would argue it happened with Jack way back when, but I guess things happened closer together after David died. Shortly after his marriage, on February 14, 1985, to Shani Garza, Mike suffered a shoulder injury and underwent surgery that resulted in toxic shock syndrome. Oh my gosh, I thought that was only from tampons. I know. While he attempted to return to the ring after healing, he eventually retired due to his lack of strength. In April 1987, he took a fatal dose of tranquilizers and passed away shortly after. Some speculate he did it on purpose. No one knows for sure. Chris Von Erich, the youngest brother in the Von Erich family, desperately wanted to wrestle alongside his brothers, but he couldn't do so. Well, he tried, but he wasn't great due to his size and lack of athleticism. You saw the pictures of the brothers, right? Yeah. So compared to them, he was 5'4", had asthma, and brittle bones. Same. Totally different than the other guys. Regardless, he wanted to be a part of it. And sure. he made many attempts and would get injured every single time. Oh, gosh. He was already depressed and heartbroken over the loss of his brother, Mike, and he wasn't succeeding in wrestling. And it was all just too much for him. I mean, he's the youngest and he felt like he didn't measure up to anyone in yeah. his family. In 1991, at the age of 21, he shot himself in the head. 21? Yeah. I mean, that's before any type of career. Yeah. But just, he felt so inadequate. Just awful. So Carrie, who was the most successful of the brothers, was about to sign with the WWF, which is now known as WWE, but he experienced a motorcycle accident that left him fighting for his life. He survived. But the injuries were so bad that he had to get his right foot amputated. Surprisingly, he still had a successful wrestling career with the help of a prosthetic. Unfortunately, in 1993, Carey took his own life by shooting himself in the heart. Oh my God. In the family yard at <gasps> the age of 33. 33? Yes, and he was successful. Oh my gosh. A wrestler named Bret Hart claimed that Kerry revealed his plans to end his own life months before the suicide, claiming that Kerry felt his departed brothers had been calling to him. Isn't that creepy? That's super creepy. Like, don't go. Don't listen. By the time Fritz died of cancer, the dad, in 1997 at the age of 68, five of his six sons had predeceased him. Can you even imagine no. having that many children? Five have died before you, and you're no. only 68. No, no. So the story of the Von Erich family has been presented as a cautionary tale about parental influence, sibling rivalry, and the various dangers of the professional wrestling business. So there's a movie about the Von Erich family called The Iron Claw. Yeah, it just came out. Yeah, it has Zac Efron. Jeremy Allen White, they play two of the brothers. Well. 
It just came out and it's on HBO Max, I believe. For some reason, they only depict five brothers, not six. Uh-huh. Maybe they're like, we can't do one more suicide. There's it's no just more. too yeah. many. But I haven't seen it. I haven't either. Now that I know the backstory, I'm interested. Well, I was just texting a friend of mine and, mm-hmm. asked, and asked him if he had heard of this family. He's like, what do you think? He's like, there's a movie that's out about him. I'd never. I didn't even and, know what the movie. And he sent me the link and I was like, holy shit. I didn't even know that. I don't know. I didn't either. I didn't either. But, but now I want to watch it. Yeah, that's so know. sad. It really is. Ugh. It's like they all have in common that they're big families. So I get that disaster is more likely to happen. And Samuel and I had a conversation about this that like mental illness runs in families. Maybe depression ran in this family, caused, yeah. making it more likely or whatever. But the fact that he said he felt like his brothers were calling to him. Or maybe it's just because they're in the public eye, we yeah. give a shit. You know what There's I mean? There's more scrutiny. There's definitely yeah. more because if this was just some nobody family from Alabama, it wouldn't be, Yeah, people wouldn't be so aware. Just the thought of shooting yourself in the heart oh, out in your yard. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And you have kids and a family. So I don't sad. Know. And I don't know. It just goes to show you, he was the most successful he was still successful, but it wasn't enough. No. Do you have any curses in your family? <laughs> Girl. Nothing this bad. I don't know. Not not like this. No. Mm-mm. I did get on Reddit because I wanted to see if people thought they had curses. And plenty of people do think their family's cursed. So don't wake the insomniac wrote, let's get this out of the way. I don't believe in curses. But an uncle of mine does and told me about it after the loss of his wife. The curse is simple. Every male in my family outlives his wife by decades. So far on my direct line, it's holding up, except for my mother who's still alive. The extended family lines seem unaffected, which almost disappoints my morbid curiosity. Dude, of course, the only men affected by it believe in the curse. My dad and his brother don't. My other uncle does, and my grandfather, who raised 10 kids from ten, from two dead wives, was a believer, as was his father. Oh my gosh. Don't marry any of them, boys. Right? Now I've recently uncovered that my second great-grandfather outlived his wife by 26 years. I'm curious how far back the curse will take me, but I do find it interesting that we happen to be descended from a generational line of widowers who thought themselves cursed. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's odd. And then user The Big D's Opinion wrote, It's either a blessing or a curse, depending on who you ask. Men in my family are incapable of fathering female children. My dad has two sons. My granddad had four sons, no daughters. And each of those sons has had only sons. My granddad only had brothers, no sisters. And my family has kept a very detailed family tree for generations. And we can accurately go up to five stages and have never seen a female born into that line of my family. Oh (laughs) my gosh. That's Could you imagine the first granddaughter 
or little girl born into this family of males. They're going to be like, she broke the curse. They will. She will be held up like Simba. Oh, she yeah. will be the biggest princess. Exactly. Also, <laughs> also, that's like science. Yeah. And allegedly. I and mean, I almost a, don't even know if I believe that, but maybe. Whatever. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. My, it's not a curse, but. My grandmother had nine children in patterns, and then her grandchildren were kind of born in patterns. Mm. Like, she had a boy and a girl, two girls, two boys, two girls, and a boy. Like, they went in patterns, and her grandkids were born like that. That's always interesting how Uh that works. Mm -hmm. One kid at the moment is enough for me, but I always wonder, like, if I had six kids, would they all be boys? Would you know what I mean? Like, yeah. would they be three and three? Would they be well with science now? Just out of you curiosity, can pick, yeah, with like in vitro and things oh, like yeah. that, which I think is very odd. Yeah. I don't think I would play God like that. I mean, well, that's just my opinion. Don't come for me, people. <laughs> but you know, just like I want a boy, so this is what yeah. we're only going to put boy eggs in, or I want a girl, so we're only going to do girl eggs, or how they even tell that. Well, one thing. Like, you know, the percentage of, I don't know the terms, but like rates that they're going to, I'm just going to say latch on. That's not really what it's called. But like, let's say, or viability, Uh 78% viability, Uh and it's going to be a girl. But this one's 20%, but it's going to be a boy. And if someone wants a boy, they're risking. And then they'll test the DNA to see what the sex is and just put the sex of that baby. I would want the most likely to produce because that's expensive yeah i don't and you're uh-uh. putting your body through all of that i, yeah. I don't know it's Ugh. all very interesting yeah i don't know i would just want the most viable i feel like regardless of gender sure. or sex but anyway that's well i have some true crimes in the headlines okay you haven't done that in a minute i know this just happened alabama became the first state to execute an inmate with nitrogen gas and that was today right um, no. So Alabama carried out the controversial execution of death row inmate using a method known as nitrogen hypoxia. It's the first time the practice has been used in the United States. Kenneth Eugene Smith, who has been on death row since 1990, was executed last Thursday night. Oh, okay. So the execution began at 7.53 and Smith was pronounced dead at 8.25. Official said nitrogen flowed for 15 minutes and that a nitrogen mask was kept on Smith for five minutes after he flatlined. Smith withered and shook violently for about two minutes on the gurney before five minutes of heavy breathing, according to the Associated Press. Tonight, Alabama calls humanity to take a step backward, Smith said in his last words. I'm leaving with love, peace, and light. Thank you for supporting me. Love all of you. So Alabama, Oklahoma, and Mississippi are the only states that have authorized nitrogen hypoxia for executions. Alabama became the first to actually utilize the procedure, which involves forcing pure nitrogen into the inmate's lungs while cutting off the oxygen supply. Smith's legal team fought for a new method of execution, calling it experimental and a never-before-used method. I would be terrified. I mean, it's already terrifying, but you're 
the you're first, suffocating. Oh my god, you're suffocating. I mean, I know he likely killed someone, but at the same time, there's innocent people that are on death row that could likely experience this death. So the execution was set after the Alabama Supreme Court voted six to two in November to grant the state attorneys general <sighs> Steve Marshall's execution warrant on Thursday. The United States Supreme Court declined to stop the execution despite three dissenting justices. With deep sadness, but commitment to the Eighth Amendment's protection against cruel and unusual punishment, I respectfully dissent, said Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Alabama officials have claimed nitrogen hypoxia is the most painless and humane method of execution known to man. Though the American Veterinary Medical Association called the method unacceptable for all mammals except for pigs. What? What? Why pigs? CBS reported in a joint statement from Smith and his spiritual advisor, Reverend Jeff Hood. They sent out the afternoon of his execution criticizing nitrogen hypoxia. Mm. Our prayer is that people will not turn their heads. We simply cannot normalize the suffocation of one another. Smith was convicted in 1988 of the murder of Elizabeth Doreen Sinnott. Say 88? 88. The wife of a local minister who was having an affair and was in debt. According to the 2000 decision affirming Smith's conviction and electrocution filed to the Court of Criminal Appeals in Alabama. After taking out an insurance policy on his wife, Senate hired a group of men, including Smith, to kill her and make it look like a burglary gone wrong. She was killed after being stabbed multiple times. Senate died by suicide a week after her death, while Smith and his accomplices were executed for the crime, while Smith's accomplices were executed for the crime in 2010. Smith's dissonance was handed down by a judge who overruled the jury who Ooh. voted 11 to 1 to sentence him to life instead of death. I hate that. I why, hate that Why too. even do that? Why even put him through the trial if you're just going to vote and that's, overrule the jury? They went through this whole, they've been sequestered. That's not fair at all. It's, I don't think it's fair either. Like what? Smith hmm. survived a previous execution attempt in 22 He was reportedly strapped to a gurney, set to die by lethal injection when the execution was halted because the worker did not think that they could carry out the process before the death warrant expired by midnight. So you have to do it within a certain period of time. They didn't think it would work by midnight, so it was halted. Huh. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, I, don't come for me, am... This is going to make me look like an asshole, but I support the death penalty. I know there are statistics of wrongful convictions and people that are innocent on death row, but this seems very barbaric and inhumane to me. You're essentially suffocating this prisoner. I covered a case on our Wacky Wednesday all about euthanasia and a suicide pod. And I'm like, let's use this instead. I was just thinking that. I'm like, let's use at least, this. At least there's that. I am against the death penalty. It's, you know, it's one of those yeah. things. I'm yeah, like, yeah, sure. And we can agree get, to disagree. I get totally both sides of it too. I totally yeah. get both sides of it. But my, one thing I'll say is when there's no death penalty to hang above someone to like, 
right. threaten them. And you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. if you talk, you'll get this off the table. I feel like it's a good tool in that approach. But I was just thinking about the pods that you're going to talk about on Wacky Wednesday. Like, do that. I don't know. I hate thinking about the ways, like the electrocution, the... I would not want to do it. I wouldn't want to see it. This is sounds terrible. Like but violently like, shaking for five minutes. Why? And just like, can we not just shoot people? I'm, I know that sounds terrible, and I'm not. I know I it sounds shoot. terrible, but I'm the, but it's a sure thing, and it's over. And then the thought of it's almost been forty years. There's something yeah. to me that's like yeah. that's a you can be just a totally different person. Like you know what I mean? There's something. Ugh, I, I don't feel like, like about that. Well, my whole thing is I feel like we would feel very differently if that was our mother. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Or your and daughter. And I would never. If your child was yeah. brutally murdered by somebody, fuck them. Yeah. Sorry, I would never but fuck them. judge a victim's family of wanting the right. death penalty because that's something there I, are some I would There are some terrible, awful people yeah. who are not remorseful. There are some people who are, are like you said, it's been 40 years. They, they maybe mm-hmm. shit's changed. They're not the same person. Yeah, but, I feel like that. there's something about that. I've never even thought about it until now, but like so much time passing. I wish it was well, right. Th- I don't know. Right. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking they had to go through the appeals process. It's just like, Lord, that's been 40, almost 40 years and you're just now getting to this. And like, did you know that Georgia and Oklahoma enacted laws that forbid state medical boards from punishing medical workers who participate in executions? Hmm. According to ethical standards, physicians have no place at executions. Yeah. Even if they're there for interventions and to pro- provide yeah. comfort that they're they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. That typically physicians who do participate have their names and identity like hid. Yeah, that makes sense. It's completely confidential. Yeah. Because they are a profession that is dedicated to preserving life. Do no harm. Yeah. And an execution is the exact opposite of the Hippocratic oath that doctors take. First, do no harm. Yeah. And the American Nurse Association completely opposes capital punishment and nurse participation in any aspect of it. Like, they do not support it. Mm -hmm. They do not allow people to be there to help with it, to do any of, any of that. This is a huge debate. And especially since, um, what was it in 2018, there was a Supreme court became involved in a case in Missouri that ruled that doctors participation in executions is unethical. And this was Missouri versus death row inmate Mm -hmm. Russell Buckaloo. So they're, they're not even supposed to, because I feel like it's a guy that I work with brought this up today. And he was like, who sets like lethal injection? Who's setting that up? It's not a nurse running the IV line. It's not a doctor running the IV line. It is an IV team. So I went into a kind of a deep dive about this and I would like to maybe cover this later on. We can talk about Mm -hmm. it because the more I read about the different types of execution it was quite horrifying honestly it's did it make me change my point of view no because i instantly think that whatever this person did what if that were my what if that was my child Mm -hmm. anyways 
an IV team places the IV, places a primary IV and a backup. So first, an anesthetic is given that makes you unconscious. Second, a um, paralytic is given, which paralyzes you. And third, there's a medication that stops your heart. And it's two minutes in between each injection. So they'll give the first one, do sternal rubs, um, pupil check to make sure that you're unconscious. And then the second one, wait two, and then the third. But a lot of the stuff I read, it makes it, I mean, it's not, it's not very pleasant. And no, it seems it's not very, just like a, you no, go to sleep peacefully. John Oliver had a good, on his show, had a good um, segment on the lethal injection and how it's like, you think it's like, they just go to sleep, but it's actually, they're paralyzed so that they aren't convulsing showing that they're and in showing severe pain well in the which is like, it's horrible yeah and don't think that i'm not sympathetic to this or i have no heart but a lot of the stuff i was reading about this was talking about how you know one inmate this one inmate that they were given obviously examples of when it went wrong mm-hmm. and oh, God. it was very hard to read regardless of what the person did you have to have a little bit of Mm-hmm. empathy towards another human being. Yeah. I may feel very differently about that if this person had murdered my child. Well, yeah. But anyways. Um, but then it's like, think of if they were actually innocent. But then I think, well, crime, well, I was going to say, but I mean, then I think, on the flip side, what if that were my child that was yeah. being executed? And you felt like they were 100%, 100% innocent? 100%, yeah. And it's just like... It's just, a, it's, just it's, it's a double-edged sword and nobody wins. It's something I... Don't ever want to be involved in no in any capacity. No, no, I would not Ugh. want to witness an execution. I wouldn't want to be around it. Don't want to. Mm, Don't. No. 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 I would. But yeah. anyways, that's a hot. hot Someone topic. has that job. That's the craziest well, thing to think about. To family me. members can be invited that of the yeah. person that was murdered, or family members of the somebody from the attorney general's mm-hmm. office has to be here. Has to be a medical examiner. There's a whole staff that has to be there. Mm-hmm. I would not want to watch another person go yeah. go through that, re- regardless. Yeah, I mean, I, it could be closure for someone, I guess. Yeah, like to sure. see that it actually it happened and it's over. Eyes. You have yeah, you yeah. have some type of closure. But, but. Ugh. well, I started listening to a new podcast called um, "Into the Dark." It's kind of true crime, ooh, horror, mystery. Heard of it. Uh, I just randomly found it on a whim, and so I've been listening to it. It's pretty good. Check it out. This is not an ad, but if you listen to us, people that rock this, <laughs> we can do a crossover with you. It's yeah, pretty good. for sure. Anyways. That was an interesting our, one. Yeah, that was a long, uh, interesting, dark and gloomy start to the 24th. Yeah. Blech. So I uh, have a couple suggestions for our February Patreon. I'm going to give them to you and let's put up a poll. Okay. On the social to see what, what you guys want to hear. It's a good idea. Anyways, till next month. Goodbye. Bye.